Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours, holiday edition. And of course, Steady Eddie is here with me, Mike Diamond, always in the rough. What's going on, brother? I turned that thing off. I don't know why that celebration thing is still going on. I apologize. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're blessed to have a Buckeye in the house, CEO and founder of Lead First, and of course, an author, Gary Harps. Welcome to Office Hours. No. Uh, Thank you, David. I'm thank very appreciative of being here, and this ought to be a lot of fun. I guarantee that. Uh, anyways, I wanted to talk about built to beat chaos, mm -hmm. uh, the biblical wisdom for leading yourself and others. And I really wanted to have you on because a lot of people may not know, not only do I study history to understand human nature, but I study the Bibles. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's so amazing within the context of all this chaos uh the simple truths that are agreed upon by almost every religious text that i read there's so many common uh ideas themes philosophies spiritualities but yet why do so many people not focus in on the difference but on the chaos not the peace well, <laughs> that's a deep question. Why? Uh, you know, my own journey, I, I remember my mid-20s, I was very confused by my own behavior and behavior of others, and that hasn't changed. You know, you look, you look at the world and you say, hmm, what explains this? And um, I had a sociology professor ask a question that stuck with me for 50 years. He said, uh, why is it that humanity has advanced so much technologically but not at all socially. And um, that led me on a quest of just studying various faiths and religions and, and psychology and, and all those sorts of things. And um, I found answers in the Bible that I didn't find anywhere else that was a kind of a root cause explanation of this behavior. And so my answers are couched, couched in that premise, you know, that, that uh, scripture has something to reveal. And there, there's a surprising thing revealed in the uh, Genesis story, uh, whether, whether you view it as seven literal days is irrelevant. It, it, what, what is relevant is uh, the deeper truths revealed. And, and it says we're created in God's image. So right away, you, you gives you an attitude of worth that people, people are worth something because they exist because the creator wanted them to exist. So there are no exceptions either. Either you believe that or you don't, and it gives you a certain framework of looking at other people. Um, secondly, it says we're created in God's image, and there's an interesting um, insight into that. Earlier in the chapter, you ask people what was created first, and they most of them say light. And the truth is, the first thing he created was chaos. It's the very first verse says that in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth, and they were void and without form. So my, my belief is what it's telling us is that chaos is really raw material for us to use as humans. And we create our own chaos, uh, but what the, the antidote for chaos is purpose. And um, I, I like to use the analogy, when I built my house, they dumped dump truckloads worth of lumber and bricks and all that kind of stuff, and it looked like chaos in the front yard. But then up walks a guy with a blueprint, and then the blueprint brings order out of that chaos. You know what to do with the pieces. 
So when you see a world that is chaotic, like we have, it means we're struggling for purpose. We, we don't yet have the right purpose. So that was a long answer to your question. I, I apologize That's for great. that. Yeah. Great answer. That's fantastic. Do you, like when I got sober, um, it was very simple. All of the, the steps are based from the Oxford group, which is like very practical, pragmatic principles, very mm -hmm. biblical, if you want to say. Mm -hmm. They are simple, and when you make remove your ego and make empowering choices, life is simple. Yes, you're right. And you find purpose, right? So, yeah. do you feel that's the biggest conundrum? Is it really isn't that hard if you are disciplined and you follow principles that are practical and virtuous? Do you mean? Do you think that that's it? Can't be this. No, there's got to be more. And we're always searching for novelty because no. well, it's not that difficult. Well, I I, I appreciate that that insight and and this is one area where um i think we'll say 80 percent of the world believes or 85 percent believes in some sort of deity and some sort of faith system but there is something unique revealed in the in the bible that that is a little different it says that there is basically a genetic flaw i mean i use the word genetic but uh there's something wrong with us um and so to your question, Mike, I, for a long time, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and a hard worker and I never could, I could never get there. I could not with my own discipline and my own reasoning sort of fix me. And, uh, so that's what was appealed to me. I'm not here to, to try to change anybody's mind or what they believe, but I, I do want to point out that the, the Bible or the gospel says that the reason you can't the humanity can't behave the way it should is there something wrong with it that we are not design we're not fulfilling the original design and um that is a little different than some of the other faiths um, so god says there's three kinds of life there's the life you breathe like um um air you breathe you know that's uh bios life and um uh there's suke which is sort of our mental mind awareness and then there's uh, Zoe life, which is in the Greek stands for life that comes from God. And so uh, my answer to your question would be uh, a, a, the biblical answer is that we can't be what we should be without that Zoe life. There's something missing inside of us. And um, that's makes the, the gospel of Jesus Christ a little different than some of the other um, faiths. You know, Gary, I, I think what's wrong with us is that we're lacking a capability. Uh, and the capability is that we don't know or understand outcomes or results as they occur. Mm -hmm. And so within the context of what's missing, we have to have faith that good behavior creates good outcomes and bad behavior creates bad outcomes. And that it takes time, divine time, it takes divine time in order for us to reveal or have a revelation of a result or an outcome in our life that is protecting and promoting us, not punishing us. You work within faith and leadership as mm -hmm. I do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just use best option faith because I want to be all inclusive of all human mm -hmm. beings. Yeah, My sure. best option is there's something bigger than me that knows everything, all powerful and loves me, mm -hmm. protects me, promotes me more than my mom. Mm -hmm. But there's a, solution or an antidote within the lack of capability i believe to be prioritization that if mm -hmm. we go through the process of 
understanding what's important to us in the trajectory of being better in a higher self, then we have an antidote to the chaos, which is the feeling of being overwhelmed or the feeling of procrastination. How does prioritization fall within your philosophy of lead first mm -hmm. and or self-leadership? Well, it's really critical. I mean, I, I would argue that the, the Bible advocates that um, determining purpose is the number one role of a leader. <laughs> and, um, and then number two is applying wisdom to get people to work together. And um, so to you, to you said something very profound, at least according to the Bible, that, that the reason people do foolish things, this is, comes from uh, uh, King, some of Solomon's Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. He says, the reason we do foolish things is there's a delay between when we do something and we see the consequences, right? And so the closer the consequences are, the easier it is to do the right thing. My dog collar has a shock collar, you know, and it goes off now, not a half an hour after he crosses the line. And um, so I, you, you put your finger on something very profound, that it, that separation of time requires faith. Uh, and so the more you believe in what the outcome is, the easier it is to do the right thing now if you trust that there, like you said, that there's a bigger uh Eco, a bigger system that is controlling some of what goes on. So I, I totally agree with you. Prioritization um, is rooted in purpose and wisdom, like knowing, you know, you don't put the roof on the house until you put the walls up. <laughs> so you, yeah. you have to have some wisdom about how you put this stuff together, cooking a meal, all that stuff uh, requires prioritization. Well, we appreciate you and I can't tell you how aligned we are in our philosophy, our theories, spirituality, and our inspiration. Uh, I believe that uh, faith is necessary in great leadership and great purpose in mm -hmm. finding the fulfillment and success uh, in leaning into uh, the calmness of the madness and control and the chaos that exists. I suggest everyone read Built to Be Chaos, utilizing the most common threads and denominators of success and fulfillment and purpose, the biblical wisdom for leading yourself, others, bringing us all together as one. Gary Harps, thanks for joining us this holiday week. The CEO and founder of Lead First, an incredible author. Check out Built to Beat Chaos. Please come back and join us again. I'll do that. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Dave. Thank Blessings you. to you guys. Have a great new year. 2024 should be very interesting. <laughs> It will be wonderful, and we are blessed. Uh, thank yes. you so much. Take care, Gary. Okay. Bye -bye. All right. All right. We're uh, on the road to richness with Luke Ritchie next, the chief visionary officer at Gravity Jack on the West Coast. So he's an early riser like us, Mike. So, Luke, welcome to Office Hours. Hey, thank you, David. Thank you, Mike. I was just listening to your last show. That was good. I'm like, what a great way to start. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about with Gary is, you know, the consistency of what we do. And when we're consistent at what we do and persistent without quit, it tells us all its secrets. It tells us its cheat codes. It levels us up just as <laughs> if it was a, a game. Uh, yeah. You uh, know these things so well. So I thought you'd maybe take us through the journey of Gravity Jack. 
and allow us to understand the experience itself, but also its analogous uh, journey to the journey of life of how we extract these lessons and secrets and cheat codes that allow us to level up. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. So when I founded Gravity Jack in 2009, it was more, uh, my wife and I had founded a company. It had been purchased by a gaming company. We were forced to work there for two years. When I say forced, they just had a very different philosophy than we did about how they treated their employees. And uh, even the people they like, they, at one point they wanted me to fire a bunch of people. And I'm like, you can, I'm not going to do that. Like, these, like, <laughs> like they're, they're, they're making money. This is like, this is a, not right. Anyways, we left on exactly the day our contract expired. Um, and we started gravity jack and it was really, I was just sitting there telling her what was coming. And she's like, this is the one we're patenting. Uh, and this is the one we're going to, we're going to run with all the way. We're not going to just start a company, you know, flip it. This is, this is the one, uh, we'll die doing. And I'm, at the time I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, we'll probably get an offer. Uh, we were super early though. 2009, the app store had just come out like the, you know, mobile was just out. So and we were talking about augmented reality on mobile. So people's minds still couldn't even wrap their, the, you know, their minds around the phone itself, much less that, hey, there's this world coming where you're going to put something on uh, and these phones will go away. Uh, and so we just kind of sat there. I mean, we actually uh, had a lot of progress. We've had a lot of firsts. Um, there was something missing. And, you know, it's just funny because your last show was, was about this. Uh, but you know, I didn't have really a faith. I mean, I was American, so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm Christian, uh, you know, and, but I just would call myself that. And then in 2017, I had a few encounters. I had things that actually started happening to me. And in 2019, uh, I committed my life to Christ. And and then I'm kind of looking around going, what do I do now? Like I thought, oh, I got to become a pastor. I got to become a counselor. I just thought you couldn't I just assume this and, uh, you know, I'm praying and, and God's like, no, I've always had you in this place. I've always been planning uh, these things, you know, and God's got a plan for everybody's life. He's, you know, and you, you may think that there's this mistake back here or this thing back, but he uses it all. Um, but I started looking around, I'm like, you know, what, what is, what am I supposed to do? Uh, and it's, it, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of people that speak about this, but it's actually just really simple. I'm supposed to love people. Uh, and I'm supposed to love them like myself. Um, and I'm supposed to love God. I mean, those are the, these are the two things Jesus sum, summarized everything as, as those two things. And part of that is taking care of people in poverty and, uh, and not, not like in a communist way, but actually like, how do we bring, the ability and capability to be productive to people around the world. And I actually struggled with that question for a good year and a half, two years. Cause I'm like, I got the balance I have to honor my shareholders, which means I have to bring them profit. Uh, but how do I get them to want to act altruistically? And meanwhile at gravity, Jack, we, you know, we made tons of games. Uh, one of the games we made, we were really effective at ex- exchanging entertainment for, uh, funds. So it was doing $35 million a month uh, at month nine. And so it's just like we got really good at making games make money. Uh, and I started thinking, what if we were to take part of those funds? And so essentially what we've done is apply what's called the Nash equilibrium with game theory into the real world, but also with a game. 
So it's kind of like the game is actually we, we tie in real world components and in the real world components, I've got my shareholders and I've got people in poverty across the planet. How can I actually start affecting change on them? Um, and that's what our game, War Tribe of Binyamin, is all about. Um, and still having this really fun game, it's still going to extract funds in exchange for entertainment from strong economies. But then in weaker economies, it's actually essentially a, a giant crowdsourcing engine for digital um, content, which pays people to create things that actually provide value back to my shareholders. So it's, it's, really, it's really this interesting loop of value exchange. Um, and the model that we're, we're using has been used in, uh, uh, by missionaries, actually. Uh, and they showed that, hey, we could actually go into an area, uh, pay them to do this, but they did it with donations, right? So there was no ecosystem on top of it. Uh, and receive back an artificial intelligence, natural language processing engine for this people group. But then they were kind of like, ah, you know, now what do we do with this? They don't have the ability to market it. It was super expensive. So the experiment worked. It did actually uplift the people out of poverty. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what we're doing right now is like at a global scale, could we affect poverty by uh, reaching the last languages on the planet through an AI? Uh, <laughs> I know that's a lot, but that's kind of that's, that's awesome. the journey included. And I, it's just so simple. It's really just how do we love on people uh, and how do we actually bring people that, you know, make $40 a month and help them to make $80 a month, $160 a month. You'd be shocked. You go to a place that where they're, they're averaging 40 a month, you double their, their revenue. All of a sudden, they're not worried about eating. They're, they're worried about they, these people start investing. They start doing little businesses. Uh, I was on a call with a gal. She's she would had gone from a hundred dollars a month to three hundred by taking this entrepreneurial course. And what's crazy is she didn't actually. She took a hundred of that and started investing it back into other people to take the same course a month because she's like, I don't need three hundred a month. That's too much. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that mindset? Yeah, that's uh, awesome. It's, yeah, people. It's wild. They, they work. They work to live, not work for luxury. And it's a different yeah. mindset. Is I've done a. A lot of work as you have around the world. Uh, Mike, real quick, you got a question for Luke? Yeah, I just I just love how it's ethical AI. And I've never really, it's so brilliant what you've done and then you've struggled. So here's a question for you. You started coding at 14 and you went mm -hmm. to work at NASA. So then you go through this spiritual quest. Did you start to, because a lot of people do that, they start to judge what they're doing. Like until you went through that conundrum. Mm -hmm. How did you just step in saying, you know what, this is what I'm good at, I'm coding. I've just got to lean into it and have faith. You said you didn't have faith, but then you had to have faith yeah. that you were leaving it to the right thing. So I, I wouldn't actually call it a quest too. I was actually self-destructing. Uh, and, and I, and because I had no foundation, um, I didn't even know what to do. So as I kind of self-destructed and I was stripped of all these false identities, um, and I I'd built up so many false identities. I was, Oh, I was really good at MMA. I love, you know, I'm a great motorcycle rider. I'm a great businessman, you know, and, and what, and I'm a really good dad and husband. Then all of a sudden when the, like those start to be stripped um, and my wife and I were struggling in marriage, I was like, well, then who am I? Uh, and where does my worth come from? Uh, and that was actually the first question. The first answer was, where does my worth come from? And I won't, I won't share the whole event because it's a long story, but I actually, uh, it comes from God. God says you, you know, both of you have 
immeasurable immense worth. You actually can't, you can't contain that worth. Uh, it's, and his love literally has no end for you. And once I actually came to a full realization in my soul, being mind, spirit of the level and measure of that love, then I had a foundation. Um, and then to be honest, Mike, it was a lot of prayer. I would just keep praying. And I, I was actually praying to have my life go a different direction. Um, cause I, I was like, when you, when you come to a realization of the true nature of the universe and our true calling, uh, the tech, all, all of that stuff kind of faded. It meant everything went really dim. Having a new car, having a new house, all those things were just, they were so down on the list. I can't describe it. Uh, so, but then I started realizing, oh, could, could you actually affect people at scale? And then I got excited about tech again. And that was when he just, like, God just started unrolling the path in front of me. I started meeting people, very specific people, some of the best linguists in the world, the experiment I told you about. I, I just happenstance ran into those people uh, at a table that I was at. I mean, just this kind of like, oh, okay, the, the road, it's unfurling before you. And then I was like, oh, these skills can actually be used uh, to do something great. I hope that answered it. It did, and I love people that uh, are on a journey, a faith-based journey, uh, to make a lot of money, to live in abundance, to have a lot of people with that money and have a lot of fun. And I think Gravity, Gravity Jack does all three of those. Go to gravityjack.com if you want to align and understand the Gravity Jack experience. You can empower others to empower others to live a life of fulfillment, passion, purpose, and profitability which really uh, excites Mike and I. Luke, please come back again. We'd love to have you. And thank you so much for everything you're doing. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, David. Thanks, Luke. Take care. All right. Our cleanup hitter for today's from my hometown, San Diego, California. We have a faith-based episode going. And I think when we talk about Mike faith, there is an ending point which is at the crux of our decision to have faith or not. Uh, and Dr. Bob Uslander, the co-founder and medical director of Empowered Ending, is Endings is helping people understand the options, opportunities, and touches of favor uh, that exist with end-of-life care. Uh, and as my own mother's, your family may uh, experience this as getting older, in San Diego, by the way, and uh, is in a a uh, assisted living situation right now. Uh, it becomes more present and more prominent in my life to understand end of life care. Uh, welcome to the show, Bob Uslander. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Oh, you said one second. Oh, we can't hear him though. It's always the earpods. Uh, anyway, while we wait for Bob, uh, Mike. Um, Bob, can you hear us? I uh, really give him a little bit of help. Uh, Luke, why don't you help Bob real quick? We'll bring him back on. Mike and I'll do a quick takeaway uh, to continue the the, uh, the thematic uh, utilization of this. I just want to give a big shout out to Michael Unbroken. Uh, he seems to be broken. So, uh, <laughs> by our consistency. He didn't realize that we've been doing this three years. I rarely take a day off. Like he doesn't, like he doesn't know what this. Yeah, <laughs> this is. 
yeah, they, I'm sure he looked at his calendar. He's like, wait, they're not taking the holidays off? No, we're here to be of service and about just do it. Uh, I'm like, take another, take another dose of ayahuasca, not a dose of happiness. This is what this show's about. Uh, anyway, uh, what, what's your take? What's your takeaway so far as we're trying to get Bob on? Is to so like I love how everyone's. It's a it's it's a very uh, you know I don't want to say biblical, but there's a there's a there's a theme coming through it of love and kindness. And what it is to me is to be open. So it's like five years ago, someone started. And talking about the Bible at six in the morning and Christian faith and Jesus. I know that I would be like, uh, I'd be like, uh, in a sense of like, is this where it's going? And instead, I'm now open to everyone and everyone's got a, a great message of love and kindness and to be open to that and don't judge people because if they're bringing good to the world, whether it's with AI or other things, they're bringing good to the world. It's not my business, just be a good person. So it allows me now to have a really open, loving perspective to everyone and then whatever they're giving, if it's kind and loving, it's great. So I'm really enjoying this episode because it allows me to step back and just listen. I love that. I can see you as a great listener uh, sitting back as well and seeing that. That's uh, encouraging for me. I love you know, the use of the show. Uh, here's Bob real quick. Bob, can you hear us? But we can't see him. <laughs> Look at, I like him really because they're green room. Should be having so good. Let's have it back. So my, you know, my takeaway starts with the usage of the word consequence. You know, I talk about oh. outcomes and results uh, and the distance between behavior and their outcomes and results, but very rarely have I thought about it in the uh, construct of consequences. So in uh, the distance between our behaviors and consequences, utilization of wisdom in order to effectuate that, uh, to me, uh, was the mind blower for the day. We get so many great takeaways uh, of how this works in understanding outcomes, results, consequences, and the wisdom and faith uh, that it takes uh, in order in the theory of relativity, right? Faith, faith shortens time in the theory of relativity and so does wisdom. And if we utilize our faith and wisdom in order to effectuate a shorter amount of time from the good behaviors, and, and this applies uh, of course to addiction uh, because we have to go day by day with our behavior and we can't attach our emotions to an outcome or a result, but we do, uh, seek consequences in shorting uh, the distance of those consequences, specifically of addictive behavior, uh, can help propel us to a better place, a better position. And it's interesting, whether it's wisdom or faith, they're so closely tied that I think if you look at, you know, the 12 steps, there's some of the most ancient wisdom included in the 12 steps, but also there's a lot of faith uh, in the in the 12 steps as well. And uh, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole, I think, during the holidays here under the construct of consequences combined with outcomes, results, and behaviors in order to effectuate uh, what we want to get to, which is a better place, a better position, a better situation, a more fulfilled, passionate, purposeful, and profitable one in my, in my case. Your, your priorities may be different, but... That's my takeaway. 
Uh, Raluca, give me a thumbs up if we should reschedule Bob or if we should wait. We should reschedule Bob. You know, it's funny, those doctors, they're saving lives. They're they're helping us, but they certainly have difficulty with StreamYard. <laughs> That's so oh, good. I love it. So, wait, wait, Mikey. Wait, imagine when we have, like, heart surgeons on here and, like, he has an impending surgery next week and the heart surgeon can't get on to stream hard. Like, is that instilling confidence into the patient? Bob's back. Let's try it real quick. Uh, one last try. Third one's a charm. Is he ready? Hey, is ah. this better? Are we here? Are yeah. we together? Awesome. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. We were saying, don't worry. Thank you for your patience. We, we were joking that, you know, at least you're not a heart surgeon with like, a future patient coming up Monday. Like my cousin, you may know him, uh, Eric Adler, uh, down there. Dr. Eric's your Eric cousin? Adler. Yeah. Holy so crap. Guys. Eric and I are really good friends. We're, like, we're really good buddies. That's funny. Yeah, he he's one of my favorite cousins. And uh, But I was saying Eric won't come on the show because imagine there's like an open heart <laughs> surgery patient and Eric can't get on the stream yard. It's not really instilling confidence in his capabilities of saving a life. But more importantly... <laughs> Look at Mikey. Uh, let's bring back on uh, Dr. Bob Uslander. He's the co-founder and medical director of Empowered Endings. Um, we were talking about faith today, uh, with with a, in a leadership context uh, as well as AI context. And I, I look at the fact that I believe that the root of faith for human beings is their relationship, the end of their embodiment, the end of their life. That, that there's this. Uh, true construct that's created and end of life care uh, is something that we can plan for as a family uh, to help ease our journey uh, in our relativity of the end. Um, what are some of the things that you help to transform a mindset, a heart set, and a handset to the final chapter? <coughs> That's a good question. That's a, that's a loaded, man. Um, so, I, so you said planning, and and I, <clears throat> I think um, that's a, that's a critical component. I think what I think the thing that I that I do most that I I feel is the most valuable aspect of my relationship with patients and families is to help eliminate or reduce the fear associated with this with the situation with the circumstances with with what's coming um a, a lot of times there's so much there's so much unknown and there's so much uh built up in their minds about the way things may may happen that the thing the way that they, they don't have control they don't have power because um, they've been disempowered so much and so often you know by the healthcare system so fear is is runs rampant and when when somebody who can come in and just sit with people and and, and kind of understand what it is that they're concerned about, afraid of, and help them see things, the reality of, of things, and and give them um, a tools to use a strategy to to approach things. Um, it allows that fear to dissipate uh, in many cases, and and then they can refocus it on something productive, like making the connections that they that they need to make with their loved ones while they while they still can like doing bringing in other other life enhancing type um activities like just being and living um 
So, you know, I, I was listening to a little bit of Luke Ritchie as, as he was kind of finishing his segment. And um, there were some things that he was sharing that really aligned with my path. And I, and I think I would, I, I speak about it differently because I have a, you know, to God is to me, it's more the universe, the love, the, the kid, the we, the webs of connection that we all share. But I, I feel like I, you know, once I, once I understood my purpose, once I understood my calling, everything just sort of fell into place and people started showing up and the, like the, the, the path was, became, became clearer where, where it was pretty murky before. I think that happens with people who are at the end of their life too. A path can become more clear and it doesn't look as scary and dark and lonely. Do you think the biggest thing, uh, Dr. Bob, obviously it's the unknown as well. We're struggling with the unknown and helping people plan correctly to live in that reality. It senses, uh, it sort of eases that, that, that fear and just, cause we get scared. We don't know. And then you can sit there and you can help people navigate that. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it. It's, it's also interesting because <clears throat> there's the unknown of what happens after one dies, which some people are, are anxious about. In my experience, more, most people aren't terribly anxious about what happens after they die. Either they, either they believe something continues and that's sort of ex exciting. And, you know, for me, this well, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to be a great party. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not, I don't fear it. Other people think it's all done. You know, we just, yeah, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. When you die, that's it. No more. And that's also comforting for them. It's like, I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to worry about what's happening because nothing's happening. So I don't worry about it. It's the, it's the fear of, of what happens before you die that most people are, are really struggling with. And I get to help them say, you know, so, so here's the situation. Here's what you're dealing with. Here's what you've said is most important to you. Here's what you say that you want. Let's get, let's, let's put everything together. Let's figure out what the resources you have, what you need, where the gaps are, make sure that you can get as close to what you want as possible. And if that's not possible, what's the next best alternative and, and how do we get there? I hear people all the time saying, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to have a stroke and end up in a, as an invalid in a nursing home for years. That doesn't have to happen. You know, and you never have to be kept alive in a nursing home for years. You just have to have the right advocates to make sure that you know what's possible and to help your family figure out what, what can happen. People say, I don't want to go to the hospital because then, you know, you can never get out. They keep you there. But that's not true. It's not prison. You can get out. You just need to have the right advocates and, and have the right information. And we can create a path that is aligned with what's important to that individual and in the family. So I think so much of the time, the system, the healthcare system just doesn't know how to how to really meet people where they're at and and put the, the, the focus on helping them accomplish their goals because they never listen to understand what their goals are. And one of the controversial decisions is being able to make your own choice to live or die. Uh, and there is comfort that people find in that as well because of uh, the lack of advocacy that they may not be aware of or, or is there. Um, my question is wondering what your uh, own perspective is on a person's right to choose to die uh, and then to what age should we make our plan? Okay. Well, those are two very, very um, uh, 
distinct question. I'll take. I'll yeah, take sorry. I, I just that's had to squeeze no, him that's in. Right. That's good. We're, we're, we're yeah, running behind. Yeah, no. <laughs> Curiosity killed David too. <laughs> yeah, you got you to chunk things out for me. I can't. It's early in the morning here in California. So, um, first one is you start making you start making a plan at any time. There's no there is no time. I mean, people get in accidents and things happen to people at any age. So you know, in, in, as soon as you're an adult and you have things that you want to to go to a certain place and you have ideas about what you would or wouldn't want. It, it's not too early to have those conversations with the people who would be making decisions on your behalf. Um, if you couldn't speak for yourself, um, you know, certainly you don't have a lot of, you don't see a lot of 21 year olds filling out their advanced healthcare directives um, and having these conversations, but certainly any, you know, you get to be 40 and especially you start having kids and, and you should start having these conversations. And I think filling out the appropriate forms, the advanced healthcare directive, the power of attorney, so that, um, so that if does, something does happen to you unexpectedly, that, that your wishes can be known and carried out. Um, and as you get older and start having more health issues, then you start getting, you know, even a little bit more kind of detailed in, in what you, put in those plans. And we help people with that on a regular basis. We meet with people and go through all the appropriate documents and, and help them understand how to <clears throat> add additional protections that may not be in the standard forms that you would get off the internet or from an attorney, because there are a lot of things. You know, I was an ER doctor for 25 years, and now I've done end-of-life care for you know, and palliative care for a long time. So there's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of nuance to end-of-life that if you're if you have the right conversations and and take care of the right documentation, you can avoid. It's it's really a gift to your family more than anything else, because at some point you're going to go and you're going to be gone, and they're going to live with the the impact of of the choices that were made and and whether they live with regret um, and guilt or with a sense of of um, you know pride at, at having given you the best option, best experience. So the other question <clears throat> regarding um, the right to die, right, the right to choose when it's your time. Well, um, my wife Elizabeth, who's my partner um, in all of this, and I are uh, writing a book, and um, it's being looked at by some publishers right now, and it's called Permission to Choose. So that might give you an idea of what my stance is on the topic. Um, I believe that we have the right, we should have the right to choose when life no longer has adequate um, value, and when we're struggling um, to the point where where quality of life is is no longer um, adequate, acceptable, and and it's not going to get better. So um, that doesn't mean that I feel like it's appropriate to you know allow your life to end gently because you lost a job or you know your girlfriend right. broke up with you and you're and you're just really bummed. When you're terminally ill, certainly when you're terminally ill and you're, you've lost your independence, you, you're in pain and requiring so much pain medication that you can't, you know, you can't stand and, you, and you're having complications from that. Um, certainly when, when you're terminally ill and you're dying, the ability to have uh, a, an option to shorten the dying period and to go peacefully in a time and place of your choosing, creating an environment that's beautiful and and that your loved ones can you know, be there with you and then being able to just, you know, go to sleep and drift away. That's such incredible, such an incredibly compassionate 
approach. We do it for our pets. Uh, the idea that we wouldn't do it for our, our people doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I understand why it is. So we now have 11 states and jurisdictions in the country that allow medical aid in dying. Um, and I'm in California, I'm in Southern California, I'm a very strong supporter and I, uh, the part of my practice is to help guide patients and families through this legal end of life option. Um, and we also let people know that even if they don't have a terminal condition, even if the, the medical aid in dying isn't something that, that they are um, open to wanting to do, if they're of sound mind, they can choose to stop eating and drinking and have a gentle, peaceful death within seven to 10 days. And it's not torture, it's not very difficult when you have the right support in place, which is one of the, you know, the things that we help people through as well. The idea of making somebody live in, in torment and misery for years, months or years, just because they, they don't die naturally and, and they want to go, their loved ones, are comfortable, they see them suffering, they want to support them. The idea that we, like we have government constraints on who can do that also doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And uh, the world needs more people with your understanding, your knowledge, your skills to apply to a very difficult time that puts the family at disease. And a lot of times it's not about the patient, it's more about the people that are being left behind and sometimes they're just not aware of the struggle uh, that they're putting some through if they if they knew and were informed the choices become easier and that's why we wanted to have you on to elevate the awareness of the critical life issues that exist at the end of life dr bob uslander he's hanging out with the right people in the right places that's for sure co-founder and medical director of empowered endings empoweredendings.com if you want to live with dignity and honor and leave with the same, uh, it's a good person to talk to and a care is something that can be planned for. Uh, so please, everyone, reach out, learn more about it. Make not only your life enjoyable, but the end of your life as well. Uh, Bob, please come back and join again. Say hi to my cousin. I'll see him when I get back from Cabo. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You. Great job. Get the book, come back on. We'll promote that book as well. Mikey, I appreciate you always showing up, uh, especially during the holidays. And I'm sure it's a very busy time of year for an addiction specialist like yourself. Uh, the end of the year is a is tax season. Go ahead. I need to thank you for something. Uh, it's coming to the end of the year. But you blessed me with a contact that I did some negotiating with. And because of this contact next year, I will be able to help people that can't afford an interventionist. I will be able to give them free interventions and a new site will be launched, which I'll get you to help me with. So people that can afford me, great. But I'm talking about people that can't afford a guy like me, the show is. I can now be of service to families who really need an interventionist, but because they're struggling, I can now go out and help them. So thank you. Got it, my friend. I thank you for everything you do and anything I can do to assist you. You know, I'm here for you as well. Incredible Mike Diamond in the holiday and post-holiday period of our life, recklessly here with me and Green. Let's everybody enjoy. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you next week. Bye. I'll call you before New Year. Love you, mate. Love you. Awesome. All right. I want to thank Raluca once again for waking up early. 
during the holidays and her hair looks wonderful. So thank you, Raluca, been a producer of our show. She's amazing. I want to thank everybody. And I want to remind you during this holiday season to be more interested than interesting, to be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Same bat channel. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.